Hey guys, this is Joe. If anybody's anybody, I'm Han and you're Chewbacca. What's up guys, it's Eric. I want to name her Dottie, after my wife. She's a vicious, life-sucking bitch from which there is no escape. The entire world is watching the game. Someone should be watching the sky. It's a meteor shower. How big were those? The size of basketballs. This new one you're tracking. How big? It's the size of Texas, Mr. President. July 1st. Are you suggesting that we nuke this thing from the inside? We're bringing the world's best deep core driller. Nothing can prepare you. Promise me that you are going to come back. I promise, Grace. For the event that will rock the world. Beat me up, Scotty. This is who you found to save the planet. Bruce Willis. Billy Bob Thornton. Liv Tyler. Ben Affleck. Will Patton. And Steve Buscemi. We don't get this done, nobody else will. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or, to watch, day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? Nothing much, Ark. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. good. You finally, you got over the, the hurdle of our technical difficulties. We released an episode today, so... We did. We're recording this in uh, September 9th, and we released an episode that we recorded in July. Because so we're gonna we have, have we're gonna have a lot of Halloween in July jokes, and they all make yeah. sense now. But, <laughs> but yeah, back then, right. it made sense. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. But yeah, so that's all up and running. I got all my stuff installed, and so far everything is looking good. So all right, fingers yep. crossed. Fingers crossed. Are you are you working from home still, or are you yep. actually going? Okay. Yeah, I'm working from home, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it, or I, I guess it wouldn't even be a jinx because I honestly wouldn't mind going back to the office at this point. But um, I kind of have a feeling I'm not going to be going back to the office until next year, really, till like till at least January, because they told us they already pushed our our date back a few times, and now where we're at is they told us that they're going to give us two weeks' notice, like so. Whenever it is, they're not going to say like, all right, we need you all in the office tomorrow. They're going to give us two weeks notice. They, we had a flu shot clinic scheduled for the end of September and they emailed us yesterday and we're like, Hey, that's canceled. So get your flu shot at like CVS or something like that. So I take that as we're not going back to the office until at least October. And then I feel like if it was the beginning of October, they wouldn't have canceled it. They would have just like moved it back. And then once you get into October, November with all the like holidays, people take so much vacation time anyway. I kind of feel like it's, I feel like they're just going to be like, all right, start, you know, start clean. I, I don't know, January or but who knows, man. Um, I know. Like I, it's the same with us. We have no idea what's happening right now. Yeah. I thought I was going to be home for two weeks. Like I thought me being home for one month was crazy to me. And now I've been home since like the middle of March. <laughs> And it's September 9th. I'm like, what the? I know. It's as I was texting you earlier. I had to run the office because I like we. No one knew we we're gonna be out this long. So like we had to, like take shifts going in the office and grab things if we need to go in there for something. Mm-hmm. So I need to go in for paperwork earlier. So yeah, I had to text all my other coworkers asking if they're gonna be there since none was. I was able to like, go there real fast and get stuff, but it's such an inconvenience. <laughs> I, one thing, I, I 
one thing that I did that was a I so because I I kept thinking that they were going to it was going to be like a, a two week thing or a month thing or a two month thing. I didn't want to go out and buy a desk because I was like I want to book. I don't want to go buy a desk and a chair and then have them send me back to the office like the next week. I know. So I've been putting it off and I, I've, my whole body has been hurting me for this whole time because I was using, I didn't even have a table. I was using a bureau as like my desk. So my legs weren't going under what I was using for to type on and whatever. So my hips started killing me. And I was like, to the point where I was like, I think I might have to like get, surgery on my hip or something like that and so a last ditch thing i was like Bree was like you should get a desk and a chair and i got a new desk and a chair and the first day of sitting in and sitting in a normal situation because i was sitting on a wooden like dining room table uh chair too so like i wasn't even sitting on it something uh, comfortable i was, I was so, gonna ask the table was that did you ever sit the table at all or just use the chairs from it no, I just use the chairs because the table's downstairs. That's what Bree used. Bree is using for a desk. Oh, that's right. She's working from home too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but Bree's now going into the office twice a week, totally on her own, optional. She doesn't have to, but she's getting tested once a week, so that's good because I'm like, all right, if she's negative, chances are I'm negative. So, <laughs> she's been tested like four or five times. I'm negative. She's negative. So it's good. 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 Yeah, I was telling you earlier. I'll make this a real quick story, but. We didn't meet with a high school today. I won't say which one because the story is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. But um, the principal, he's almost like a drill sergeant. He has like the pumped out chest. He has like, yeah. the buzz cut. Um, and he's like, he, he's like the principal in like every movie. Like movie. <laughs> right. And we set up a Zoom chat with him because we're trying to work with one of his schools now. We've never worked at the school before. So we're trying to get, you know, try and get in touch with them and trying to figure out something for later on. But he zooms us, and he's only made this time now, right? He gave us the time and everything, and he starts up. He's on his phone in the car as a passenger, talking to us. I'm like, okay, first of all, this is a really this is interesting. And mm. he set up the he set up the meeting to ask us questions, but there are a lot of awkward pauses. So in between each awkward pause, it was me and um, two of my coworkers who are on my team. So we have a small we have a pretty small team, so I was the one who was trying to fill in those awkward silences with anything just because it's right. awful and then it, it ends up pretty quickly we're like we're the ones offering to send him stuff because he has to know what to ask i felt like but at the end he doesn't hang up his zoom call and he puts his phone down and we, we hear all the background chatter and we notice at the in the during the chat he had a bracelet on or like you know it didn't we it didn't hit up, hit us until like later on what happened he in the background we hear him talking to someone he's like i don't know where the hell my car is i was just released all right, this is things he's saying, and he must have just been released from the hospital. Yeah, and he's talking to us. I'm like, dude, we, we could have set any yeah, other. could have rescheduled, bro. It's not <laughs> that important. Your, this was your time that you picked. But hearing him talk about like talking to someone, he's like, I don't know, my, I don't know how my car is. He's like, I was just released. I don't have a ride. I'm like, what is? I'm like, we're, we're hearing this all in the background. I'm like, okay, so at this point, I just disconnected him. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably for the better. We talk shit about us. I don't want to hear. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, one thing before we move on, uh, one of the, another movie podcast. It's called uh, Whack Chat. It's movie time. It's a couple Brit. I think they're British. I could be wrong, and they're gonna be like, "I'm not British. I'm whatever." But I listen to a few of their episodes. Super nice guys. So if you're looking for another movie podcast, check out. It's called Whack Chat. It's movie time. You can find them on 
Instagram, whack chat underscore it's movie time. So yeah, they still a nice, a nice group of group of people who run that podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's good. And then uh, today we are discussing it's, it's my pick. It is uh, Armageddon, the 1998 classic with Bruce Willis, uh, Ben Affleck, you know, a whole, we'll go over the cast. The cast is crazy. So, um, and we're drinking, and Joe's got one too. We're drinking Ascent IPA from the talented team at uh, Battery Steel Brewing in Maine. It's uh, I don't I don't Joe. It's an IPA, so it's Joe who doesn't drink as much beer. He may not like it, but I as much. But I, I freaking love it. So I actually see. I don't know if it's just me, but are some Indian uh, Indian pale ales are they are some darker than others? Or are they all the same? Because like this one doesn't taste as strong as others I've had, which some, is good. Some, I, yeah, some some of them are a little more like like bitter and and whatever yeah i really like this one i do too yeah they make they make flume which i is like one of my favorite double ipas that i've ever had so um when i saw this i was like oh definitely giving that a shot and it fits we'll put the movie up i mean the picture up of once when we eventually release the episode but the can art matches armageddon perfectly so it's so cool i love the colors on it too yeah yeah so i picked armageddon like i said kind of said a little bit at the end of the last episode I was looking for a 90s movie and this is just this movie is it's so tied to like my my middle school life and it's 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 a classic 90s movie and I kind of got a I got more into rewatching it when I was doing some research for it because you kind of forget how much certain critics trashed it and how some of the cast members weren't huge fans of it or they might regret being in it but I had I had fond memories of it so um what what were your memories of Armageddon? I saw it with my family when it first came out, and that was like the obvious one, whatever. But other than that, it's Aerosmith's song and music video that went along with it. I would see that on TV every single day, and when music videos were a big thing back then, yep. Before school, I would always sit in front of TV, listen to music videos, and this would play at least twice in the same hour. It was oh, yeah. everywhere. The song on the radio and TV, and so my memory is without a doubt Aerosmith. <laughs> I saw I saw this movie. There's not many movies that I remember specific. Like I have distinct memories of seeing it, but I remember I saw this movie at the Lawrence Cinema for my 13th birthday because it came out like the weekend of my after my birthday. I was like going into eighth grade, and like I said, this is like this movie is my middle school life. Every girl loved Ben Affleck. Every girl's you know relationship goal was Ben and Liv. After this, I don't remember school dance that didn't play that song seven times and and like good riddance by green day um that was like every middle school dance for me is this song and then good riddance from green day and then this (laughs) song and then you know and then some other stupid song so um financially i know the budget was huge do you have uh any financial numbers for it so yeah so some stats for the film uh the movie came out on July 1st, 1998, and had a budget of $140 million, and it made $553.7 million. It was the ideal 4th of July good. movie. Oh, yep. yeah, it's really good. It's it's the ideal 4th of July movie that isn't Independence Day, in my opinion. Yep. It came out that same time, and it has, like, the chaotic and has that summer theme all over it. Um, it was written by J.J. Abrams and Jonathan Hensley, directed by Mr. Explosion himself, Michael Bay. Yep. Normally, I don't mention the producer, but this is a long-time big collaborator, so I felt like I had to, and that's Jerry Bruckheimer. The two work hand hand each other. Um, but yeah, it was, I didn't realize, I completely forgot that J.J. Abrams 
is one of the writers of this movie. We were just talking about him last episode for Casper, I think it was. Yep. was it yeah. When he was, he got his star through there. So it's like, it's funny seeing his kind of career over the last few films that we've watched kind of unfold and unravel. Cause this is a film that I had no idea he was part of. Yeah. Yeah. This movie had, had everyone in it. I, it I'm did. actually surprised with, with the cast that they had. And, and we also, another person speaking of cast, Owen Wilson's in it. Yeah. He was just in Anaconda, which we did a couple episodes ago. And it's like, we say it in the Anaconda episode, but his career just went from like zero to 60. It went from like, who the hell is this guy? And I, and I said something in Anaconda. I was like, you know, you can tell that this is his first movie or one of his first movies. And then Owen Wilson in this movie is great. He's, he's like comic relief and whatever, but yeah, it was, uh, like you said, it's like, it's kind of the quintessential summer blockbuster and explosions and heartthrobs. Spaceships and yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Critically, like I said, it's mixed. It's 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb, 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. I usually give the Robert, Roger Ebert score, but what I'm going to say this time is that uh, this film is included on Roger Ebert's most hated list. So Roger Ebert, not a fan. And then uh, one other note, it kind of goes along with what we were just saying. One other note that I made as I was looking through like what it was nominated for and what awards is I just wrote down, this is the ultimate MTV movie award film. It's it's the it's if you were to list a movie that like critics like Roger Ebert are gonna trash, but high school kids and middle school kids and summer blockbuster fans will love, it's this movie. Absolutely. And it's funny you mention that because are you familiar with the Criterion film distributor? Criterion uh, yeah. movies. I have a couple. Awesome. So this movie is actually a criterion. Usually they're very picky with like what they choose being their in their library, but this movie along with The Rock are actually part of the Criterion Collection, which if you ask anyone, no one would ever guess that Michael Bay, two Michael Bay films. No, it's, it's and we'll get into it, but this this movie's weird. Like I, I kinda, I don't know. I disagree with some critics on, on this on this film, but um, so other stuff that was going on in, in July of 98, July of 98 was quite the year for film. So Saving Private Ryan, Something About Mary, can't all be winners, so they had small soldiers as well. Basketball, The Negotiator, uh, Mask of Zorro. Not that that's like a critically renowned, renowned film, but it's you know it's a, it was a big movie at the time. Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan and Lethal Weapon Four. So all coming out in in July of '98. That's that's impressive. Outside of film, the NBA started their lockout, and uh, something that would be tied to film later on, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, the book, was published. So that's, that's just to give you an idea of what was going on in the world. Do you have a, a summary of the film, like a back of the DVD style summary? I do. When an asteroid threatens to collide with Earth, NASA honcho Dan Truman determines the only way to stop it is to drill into its surface and detonate a nuclear bomb. This leads him to renowned driller Harry Stamper, who agrees to helm a dangerous space mission provided he can bring along his own hotshot crew. Among them is AJ, who Harry thinks isn't good enough for his daughter until the mission proves otherwise. Which is kind of it's kind of an odd tidbit to add in the synopsis there, but yeah. And I want I, I want to tackle one thing just because you it just came up is one of the big critiques of this film is like, wouldn't it be way easier to teach astronauts how to drill than it would be to teach like oil drillers how to? And it's like it's a movie, dumbass. It's it's 
Yeah, right. it would would it be more like reasonable? Maybe I don't know. Oil drilling doesn't seem that easy to me either. But that'd be boring. No one wants to watch that movie. So right, like I'm actually gonna make, make that same exact point later on. Yeah, you just and, said it's like you have to go into this with your brain turned off and just have fun with it. Right, and I I do like like obviously this is a super extreme version of 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 this, but I do like anytime there's a whether it's in reality or in film or in TV, when people who are book smart are kind of like knocked down a couple pegs because, by, especially when it's by like people that work in jobs like this or trades, it's like, I don't care if you went to MIT, Harvard, Yale, you don't know what these people know. And, and it, it, no book that you read is going to teach you what like being in a business like that for the, for your entire life. So I, I like when like, you know, cause I'm kind of in the middle. I'm not, I didn't, I don't have my master's degree and I'm also useless with it with a hammer. So I, they're both, they're both impressive to me. So I, I like when that happens in reality or on film. Um, so some of the people uh, in the, that are tied to the film, will do a couple cast members. Usually we just do cast members, but I do want to start out with Michael Bay. Uh, this is right in the middle of Michael Bay kind of taking over Hollywood for better or for worse you know, explosions and explosions and more explosions. So Bad Boys in 95, The Rock in 96, this film Armageddon in 98, Pearl Harbor in 01, Bad Boys 2 in 03, and so on. So this is kind of right in the middle of what I think was the peak Michael Bay era. Um, and I think it's kind of the the quintessential, it's a perfect movie to be in the, the middle of the Michael Bay era or the Michael Bay prime. So um, Bruce Willis, star of the star of the film, or one of them, probably a co-headliner. So he Die Hard was in '88, but he had a slow start in the '90s. But the '90s were great to Bruce Willis. He had Die Hard two in 1990, Last Boy Scout '91, Pulp Fiction in '94, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and Twelve Monkeys in '95, Fifth Element in '97, The Jackal in '97, Armageddon in '98, and Sixth Sense in '99. And then on top of that. At the time, he was like he was kind of like a sex symbol. He's dating Demi Moore. Everyone's following their relationship. It was total A-list celebrity status. Like not just his his films. People cared about what he was doing outside of work. You know, he was just he was on top of the world. So, um, the younger like I said Bruce Willis was a, a sex symbol at that time. The younger sex symbol in the movie Ben Affleck. <clears throat> the '90s were. Also a good time to to be Ben Affleck. The world kind of discovered him and fell in love with him in the in the nineties. School ties in ninety two, which is you know a minor part of the, in that movie. But shout out to School Ties because it's a shot of Lawrence driving over the bridge, uh, over the Merrimack River Bridge in Lawrence. So uh, School Ties in ninety two, Days and Confused in ninety three, Mall Rats in ninety five, Chasing Amy in ninety seven, Goodwill Hunting in ninety seven, Armageddon in ninety eight. So this was the peak of like heartthrob Ben Affleck. He he hadn't made too many huge mistakes yet. He would later kind of recreate, he would he would make some mistakes probably. And he actually considers this one of his mistakes. So maybe I'm wrong about that, but he would later recreate himself as a, as a director and a more serious actor. But this is the peak of kind of the first version of, of Ben Affleck. And like I said, every girl that I, every girl I know was, either is still in love with Ben Affleck or if they aren't, they were totally in love with him at this point. So 
I believe Ben Affleck is actually on the DVD set on the bonus feature, the audio commentary, pretty much making fun of his role in Armageddon. Oh, he's trashing the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. had that as a uh, as a commentary, which is hilarious. <laughs> I think I think that whole theory of um, why wouldn't you have drillers? Why wouldn't you teach uh, astronauts to drill before you taught drillers to be astronauts? I think that might start. I think Ben Affleck might say that. That might be one of his. Burns I, think, I think so. I think so. And then um, the, this cast is, I mean, we could go on forever. The, the big names in this cast with Steve Buscemi and Billy Bob Thornton and Michael Clark Duncan and Will Patton and Owen Wilson and whatever, but um, kind of limiting it to some of the, the big ones in this film. Liv Tyler is the last one that I wrote down. One of my wife's girl crushes. Every time Lil, Liv Tyler came up, I don't know what brought her up. We are or the, a couple weeks ago, and lived. My wife's like, Liv Tyler is like one of those beautiful people I've ever seen in my entire life. And then we both went down this path of this conversation. We were like, Liv Tyler's mom must be the most beautiful woman in the history of of mankind. Because, no offense to Steven Tyler, but <laughs> he's not he's not a male model. So we were like, she she that that mom must be whoa. So, uh, Empire Records in '95. That Thing You Do in 96, this film, Armageddon in 98, and then later on, the Lord of the Rings trilogy in the early 2000s. It's, she doesn't have a million movies, but it's a, a pretty impressive, although short, uh, filmography from Liv Tyler, especially when you think she's not really thought of as like a huge movie star. So that's it. That's just um, some of the, the bigger stars in the film. Do you have anything written down for... Um, the more you know, random facts, or or no, I have a few. So I was gonna go with yours. I, the only one honestly that I had was for the most was Ben Affleck trashing it. So because I actually found that out when I was accidentally looking it up on. I guess he's. I guess that's a notorious thing that I wasn't aware of. But <clears throat> yeah, he is very much trashing his movie. Yes, on... not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. And I think yeah. So I guess I'll I'll kind of skip ahead. So um, to some of the negative stuff. I, well, actually, real quick. So. Uh, Michael Bay has a cameo. He plays one of the NASA uh, extras behind the scenes. <clears throat> and then NASA actually shows this film during their management training program. New managers are given the task of trying to spot as many errors as possible. At least 168 have been found. So those are just two little ones. And then as far as how some of the people involved in the film feel about it. So um, Bruce Willis has said that he did not care for Michael Bay's directing style and he refuses to work with him again. Michael Bay thinks that Armageddon is his worst film, which I disagree with you, Michael Bay. And this is a quote of one of that one. When they give that quote, was there a date by any chance? Cause maybe he's, he's made some flops since then for sure. So yeah, no, not, not where I saw, not where, not where I was reading, but, but even, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. He's made some, 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 some bad ones. So, um, so this is a quote from, from of Michael Bay. I will apologize for Armageddon because, Oh, it's, he said this in 2013. So I will apologize for Armageddon because we had to do the whole movie in 16 weeks. He told the Miami Herald in 2013, it was a massive undertaking. That's not fair to a movie. I would redo the entire third act if I could. So by 2013. I'm trying to think of the third act starts because for the most part, like the halfway point is right when they're entering the spaceship. It's pretty much right at the hour mark. So it's like the halfway point. So I'm trying to think where the third act is, unless it's one that's drawing straws made, but that's like, again, it's still like, it's still, only like 20 minutes left at that, after that. So like, that's sort of a weird 
it's interesting. This movie has pretty much one giant action scene. So it's hard to separate act breaks. <laughs> well, I didn't. Um, I didn't write this down, but um, one thing I saw was that the initial <clears throat> plan for this movie had a lot more of giving the background of Billy Bob Thornton's and his thing, where he was like supposed to be an astronaut, or and then he got he had the injury and the 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 affair or not the affair the relationship between Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler was added in later on to attract people, which say what you will about, you know, which script would have been better, but it was added in to put asses and seats in the theater and it definitely worked for that. So. And, and I actually mentioned it. Uh, I might just erase it now, whatever, but I actually think it, the romance worked pretty well for the time given. It was really short, but we knew they were like super close. Yeah. Like, it was we, they were on screen for like five minutes together, but we knew how close they were in those five minutes. So like, I give them credit in that aspect for sure. Yeah, and I, I would be curious because like the end of this film is like such a huge. I mean, it sounds stupid. The end of every film is a huge part of it, but the way it goes down, I can't. I don't know how they would have ended the film if that wasn't. But you know, whatever. So some other people and what they thought of being involved in the film. When asked why he did Armageddon, Steve Buscemi replied, I wanted a bigger house. Billy Bob Thornton has admitted to doing this film for the money and often jokes about acting in it. He has, however, called it not that bad. And I think Billy Bob Thornton's great in this film. Do I think it's Billy Bob Thornton's greatest role? No, but I think he's pretty good in this movie. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, oh, I, maybe I did write it down. So Billy Bob Thornton told Michael Bay that his backstory for Truman was that he was on a tra- on track to join NASA as an astronaut, but suffered crippling nerve damage as a young man. He was only able to serve as an administrator. Bay loved the idea and had a scene written that refers to this by showing a metal brace on Truman's leg. Ben Affleck had practically disowned the movie, or Ben Affleck has practically disowned the movie, even repeatedly making fun of it on the commentary. So yeah, that's what you were saying. <clears throat> um, during the filming of this fil- uh, movie, the cast and crew worked around 19... 19- worked around $19 billion worth of equipment, including a real oil rig, oil rig and a real space shuttle. And yeah, this is that note. The original script did not include the romantic subplot between AJ and Grace, but instead had more emphasis on Truman. It was added after the success of Titanic with teenage girls. Most of the romantic scenes were written by Scott Rosenberg and were filmed late in production. Do you have um? Do you have anything written down for a not in this millennium stuff that wouldn't fly? Uh, I have a couple of things. I have Steve Buscemi's multiple underage girl jokes. Those happened a few times in the movie. So, <laughs> and uh, the fact that the one one woman on the ship is inferior to everyone else for the most part. We've discussed some films in the past with strong female <clears throat> characters, and she was not one of them. She's literally tossed aside. Oh, oh, on the on the on, on the, the actual ship. Okay, yeah, I, thought, I, I, thought I thought her name. Yeah, um, no, I thought you were talking about Liv Tyler. I was like, see, I think that's perfect because she's, she's like hanging with the boys and she's smart as hell. And okay, yeah, no, yeah, no I do, I do like, I do like her character. But and this, uh, this the um, the crewmate, she's literally yeah. tossed aside at the end, and she is that isn't the one who solves the problem. It's the it's a Russian guy who solves it, so he tosses her aside, and like she's she, Watts. I think her name was Watts. Yes, yeah, I think you're right. So like she, they could have made her. Being the only female on the ship, they could have made her a lot more meaningful, other than just yeah. like the second driver. But or or if you, if you need that character to be, yeah, she. I mean, she was she was the quintessential like 
for this era, she was a, a good-looking lady, right? Who they put, and then they put with the boys, who was pretty much just rugged you know, and acted like she couldn't handle. Like when 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 push came to shove, they were like, "Get out of the way, let a man handle it." Yeah, and and they did, and the men men did handle it. So it's like, right. oh god. Uh, what would you have? I'm sure I've, I'm uh, sure I've overlooked a few of them. I didn't really have anything written down for like stuff that I would change in like that. The one thing that, um, and this is nothing that they could have predicted and I'm the, I'm the millionth person to say this, but the scene where the debris starts hitting New York city is tough just because post nine 11, you just look at it differently again, not at all their fault. They couldn't produce to predict the future, but you just view it differently now. That's all. And yeah, definitely. And like even the, in the beginning, when the debris is falling, the cab driver even says, "This is New York City, where like this terrorist." Like he actually mentions that. And this was three years earlier. And he before. starts, yeah, he starts yelling, "We're at war. Saddam Hussein is bombing us." So yeah, it's kind of actually creepy. And it that is. cab driver is Mark Curry, aka Mr. Cooper from Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Oh, really? Yeah, it's so weird how like I haven't thought of that guy in twenty years or however long, <laughs> and the minute he's on the screen, I'm like, "Holy shit, it's Mr. Cooper." But yeah, no, I, other than that, I, there was, yeah, other than that, I didn't really have anything written down. So before we started recording, you said that you didn't have a favorite scene, but you wanted to talk about kind of just a general thing. You want to. Yeah. So what, I, what I have is it's, I didn't really have a particular favorite scene. Like I normally do. It's the first half is paced really well. I thought, and the second half is nonstop dumb action. And that's also paced really well. I thought, um, I really did like how the characters developed in a fun way. And we learned them pretty well in a short time. And the second half is the payoff with nonstop action. In my opinion, the most tense moment in the, is in the final moment, uh, moments in the film when they're actually pulling straws. And above all the explosions and everything else, pun intended, that was, I think, the most tense part, is them trying to figure out who's going to be left behind. But instead of talking about my favorite scenes, I figured I would mention my favorite part of the movie, and that is with Adult the cast. What a crew. Yeah, so many big names that were in the spotlight, and some of them just starting out, becoming hugely around. Like we talked about Owen Wilson, he was still in his early stages, um, and no, no actor, even Liv Tyler, for the most part. Actually, I think this is one of her. This might be her first film. Uh, I could be wrong about that. Is this I think Empire, Re- Empire Records is before this. That's right. But yeah, this it's one of her. It's one of yeah. her earlier ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no actor on the ship has a weak moment of acting. They all, the script might not be the greatest for them sometimes. Unless, unless some of the one-liners are kind of cringeworthy, but they all do a really good job acting who they're supposed to be. And they're all, and I, I'm going to kind of talk about this later on for, for another thing, but they're all like, you really know the characters. There's not much, there's not many people who you're just like, I'm trying to think of an example, but like a lot of films, like if there's a crew of eight, it's really like there's a crew of three and then or four. And then there's a few guys who you don't, you get a little bit, but not much. No, definitely. And that's why I think like the character development in the first half is so fun. Like, I've seen them all through training. You see like who is kind of like, who is in reality not meant to be up in space <laughs> doing this, but right. they're still part of the crew. And they, they're so diverse. It's, they all have their own personality. It's like no one yes. has like a similar personality. Everyone in that crew is super diverse from the other person. So it's, yep. it's really well balanced. And, and the chemistry between the crew, you really believe that these guys all have been working on an oil rig together for... You know, they seem like friends and embedded. One guy, um, probably my favorite uh, crew member, it was it was Chick. He played played by Will Patton. He he was. There was stuff tied to him that I I didn't like, like in the plot. 
but I thought he was such a good, like, calming presence. To... He was a good actor in the movie for sure, but he's also, I think, the worst part of the movie. <laughs> which which the part? He's, he's, I'll get to that in a second, okay. I think. <laughs> okay. So my favorite, my, this is a good, my favorite scene. I, I wrote down a few things. And actually, I have to say before we, before I go on, that the podcast that we uh, talked about earlier, Whack Chat, it's funny. So I, I just downloaded a few of their episodes today. And one of them that I listened to was least favorite movies. And one of them, I don't know, I don't know the, the guy's voice as well enough to know which name is, you know, attached to each voice. But one of them put Armageddon for his worst movies of all time. And the other one, the other one disagreed with him. So, you know, whichever one, I, I guess I'm closer to the one that disagreed with him. I don't think it's one of the worst movies of all time, but... So I, I, I had a few scenes that I really liked in this movie. Um, I think one of them is, or one of my favorites was towards the beginning of the film when Harry, so Bruce Willis first discovers that AJ is, you know, has a relationship with his daughter and he's chasing AJ with a shotgun all over the oil rig. And he actually and pulls the trigger. <laughs> like four times, yeah. a few times. And, and I, love, I love the whole sequence. I love when Michael Clark Duncan, so when Bear steps in front of him and then he's like, get out of my face. Or he's, I think he says, you don't want, you don't want this spare. And he's going to, and, bear, and Michael Clark Duncan goes, just trying to give my man a head start. And he steps to the side. And then, uh, uh, the, like when he's thinking about just, he says, he's not going to shoot, like kill him. He just wants to wound him or take off his foot. And he says, a man can work with one foot. And then <laughs> the last, it kind of ends with, uh, Ben Affleck saying, Harry, like man to man, I love her. And then Harry yells, uh, way wrong answer. And he shoots at him one more time. I just, I love that. whole. I, know. I, I miss Bruce Willis, man. I, I really miss him as the fun, the comedic action hero. And he's the perfect, like, like, just like I bought the chemistry between the crew. I bought him as like a, the dad you don't want to mess with. Like, don't cross my daughter and, and whatever. And uh, so I like that one. And then some, some kind of runner ups. I love when, uh, when Harry, so like the tables have turned and then Harry has to go ask AJ. So he has to go ask Ben Affleck for help. And AJ makes him beg for his help. Like he's like, you know, he makes him kind of get on his hands and knees, but Harry is such an old stubborn, like whatever. He just walks off. And I, and I love that. I love that. Harry's like, no, I'll let the world explode. I don't care. I don't need you that bad. And then the last thing, just more comedic. I love the, uh, the leaving on a jet plane zine just because it's, like once everyone starts singing and whatever, it's it's so ridiculous. So I will say, like between between the first half and the second half, I do think the first half is I do like the first half a little more. I think and me it's too. Funny, it's like the it's you never think that because like this where all like the it's where technically it would be a slower film, but the this will be like really one of the characters and the comic mm -hmm. relief is really good in these scenes where it's not as good on the ship. Right, I agree, and yeah, yeah, no, I I 100 percent agree with that. So. um soundtrack we talked about it before we started recording but there's obviously one song that you think of when you think of this movie but i will say that even without um don't want to miss a thing there was some good music in the film you have like journeys easy top bob seger bon jovi so there was good music in the film but you can't this movie's soundtrack is pretty much uh don't want to miss a thing yeah i had the same exact thing written down it's funny, even the music video, I remember, the music video was pretty much set with Liv Tyler as yeah. a character in the, in the music video, and it's <clears> just <throat> taking place around Armageddon with film clips. Yep, <laughs> so <it's> yep. Like... <laughs> Hey, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Right. 
Um, so if you could change one thing about this film, what would you change? Um, so many of the characters are absolutely useless in the movie. It's the chemistry is spot on between them. That is with, that's not going against that at all. The chemistry between them is so good, but Will Penn as chick is easily the most useless character on that ship. He narrates the obvious with awful one-liners and adds not a thing to the crew. He's oh, I like, disagree. He is literally just there as like, he's like, this doesn't, this doesn't look good. Like, yeah, we get it, chick. Like, we get it. Like, he does nothing. But anyways, uh, at least Sifu Shami's character, while also incredibly useless, adds his input on where they landed early on. Um, so he said one thing that was, you know, semi-useful. Yeah, helped out. Helped out a little bit. Um, but I will say, though, Pat, Chick is first half chick is different than second half chick first half chick might have been a little more impactful whereas on the ship he doesn't do a whole lot um and you really need to go into this movie with uh your brain turned off because it's absolutely ridiculous the fact that mankind is pretty much laying on usa's shoulders with the exception of the russian is hilarious like no one else could have chipped in with this mission and like sent out other astronauts or whatever we need to rely solely on two ships only with amateurs in control, which I, I, I do love that premise. It's so good. Um, yeah. But if, once you, like you said, once you get beyond that though, it's a fun film. It's literally just turn your brain off and enjoy the ride. So I have to, I have to defend Chick for, because his, what he is, is he's Harry's like right-hand man that's been with him the longest. And he is there to like, moral support <laughs> no to try to keep harry calm and he also highlights how crazy he is, how crazy harry is when he fails the one thing i didn't like about chick or chick's storyline was the whole thing with his kid like so i think i actually have this written down later but i'm gonna try to jump ahead so um like so the chick's I don't know if it's his ex-wife or whatever the relationship situation is. So she tells her son, their son, that the guy at the door is a salesman. And then she doesn't break it to him that that's the dad until he's getting on a spaceship to leave the earth and almost certainly die, maybe 50-50. It's a little bit of rough parenting. That's your daddy but, on TV. Right. They, they, they couldn't, she couldn't tell him that. What a day before, and it, it right. takes it takes uh, a TV appearance and fame to bring to bring that attention. Right, from. and and then he lands, and and she's like she's on the landing, whatever, and she's like, it's like if I was <laughs> if I was chick, I'd be like, okay, I'll talk to my son, but you can get away from me, like this, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I don't know their whole I don't know the background story, but anyway. No, so, I agree with that though. The thing that I would change though is this movie is way too long way too long i'm actually surprised it did as well as it did with the audience that it was kind of aimed at with it being so long and there was a lot of fat that you could trim you could have gotten this down to pretty close to two hours i think and a a great example is just the opening of the film when it has like like discovery channel-esque intro where it's like this is the earth blah 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 and that takes up like two minutes and we get it. We don't want a meteor to hit the earth. Cut it down to the line where it's, they just say it happened before it'll happen again. Maybe like one more sentence, but they, they, they took up two minutes at least with that. And 
see, I actually wrote something down along the lines of what you just said. I, I completely agree. Like the last, the last hour of the film could have been turned down to a half hour. We get it. Everything's going to go yeah. wrong. Everything goes wrong for them in space. We get it. It would have been an awesome payoff if we see, you know, the first two acts <clears> of them training, gathering the crew for the first act. Second act is them training. Third act is them going on the mission. Right. Instead, it's just, it's like, it's really, it's really hard to pick out the act breaks because the first hour they're on the ground, second half they're in space. And the second half is the whole separation between AJ's character. They could have easily done without that and like trimmed all yep. of that down. Like they could have easily made that last hour a half hour and you could even cut the part in the beginning of the film when there's like the space shuttle crew and they just get bundled by all the meteor debris Uh, although i do think billy bob thornton is great in that scene where he's like trying to calm the guy down and get his heart rate down but so i think that was a cool introduction to billy bob thornton but that said how are you monitoring the guy's heartbeat but you don't notice or tell him that like a billion rocks are flying at him like you know you know what i mean I but yeah no long story short and, and i think the part of the length issue is what you what you said which is the supporting cast is so strong that they meant they spent a lot of time doing background stories with like chick and his kid steve buscemi and his lone shark buscemi at the the club and you know um one category so bill simmons and his movie podcast he always has this question and most of the time i think it's kind of stupid that they ask it because i'm like the answer is almost certainly no but he always says you know could this movie be remade as a 10-part netflix series and this movie is probably one of the first ones that i've that i've watched where i'm like i could see this movie as like a 10-part series where you get to know each character a little bit more if it's 10 parts, maybe they land on the rock in episode eight or nine. And then, you know, and it's not as rushed and you're getting it in one hour doses. Right. We learned the, we learned the best of all these characters, but in the end, it's only really four core members of the crew who actually have an impact on what's going to happen. So right. it's like, it's, we, like you said, if it was spaced out, maybe a little more, I would have loved the backstory of all the characters. But in this, really, really need the backstory of AJ, Bruce Willis's character, and whoever else was part of like the main accomplishment. Right, right. And then like a couple, like you said, a couple one-liners, a couple singers from the other guys. But yeah, you don't need, you don't need everything. So, all that said, if you've you've listened to the podcast before, um, you know we rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So a score of one is you're going to get to that spot at the beginning where it sounds like the discovery channel when they're saying like an asteroid will hit the earth and turn it off. Cause it's stupid. And you're just going to return to the movie store that night. So you don't pay a late fee score of five is you're going to keep it. You're going to keep it for as many days as they allow you to and more willing to pay a late fee on it. So you can show it to your friends, maybe even just buy it from the video store. So Joe is my pick. So on a scale of one to five, give me your opinion of, of Armageddon. All right, so this is your t- this is your typical Michael Bay film. Lots of yelling. The last hour is nothing but yelling, uh, explosions and one liners that miss quite a bit. Every single thing that can go wrong for this crew does, and they al- always almost uh, they almost always miraculously make it out and accomplish their goal. But you also know you're getting into uh, when you go into a Michael Bay film, and because of that, this is the perfect film to turn your brain off and just have fun with it. So I'm giving it a three point five. Okay. That, yeah, I agree. So um, I know that this movie was was trashed by critics and um, and a lot of it's 
people that are involved with it, like cast members and everything. But, and I kind of thought, especially when I went to watch it and I saw that it was two and a half hours, I was like, I'm not gonna, cause I have, I have, I don't have like the fondest memory of this movie, but I remember really enjoying it. So, um, so I was kind of worried about it. It has its flaws for sure. It's not realistic. It's too long. But the supporting cast with Owen Wilson, Mike Clark Duncan, Will Patton, Steve Buscemi, Billy Bob Thornton are great. I think Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck are great in this film and their chemistry, even like how they butt heads is great. Um, it could be 100% nostalgia for me. I, I'll give you, I'll kind of preface it with that, but I really enjoyed rewatching this film. I, I also gave it a 3.5 out of 5. I, I don't get why... I mean, if if you're a critic and you trash this movie, you better trash every Michael Bay movie. And I, exactly, and, I, and that's the thing. It's like, like you just said, it's you only want to Michael Bay film. You know, you're getting yourself into. There's not gonna be a lot of research, not a lot of like <clears throat> historically accurate facts, or it's not gonna be a how-to guide to go in space and like you know stop a comet from happening. It's just, it's a fun film. It's like you have to go into it knowing you're, you're gonna blow, you know, you're gonna put your strong on the use and just have fun with it. And I guess the thing that I don't get is like. Like, for people, if you trash this movie, that's fine. But you kind of also should be trashing, like, Independence Day. And Independence Day, This is this movie ridiculous? Yes. It's so stupid. But is it ridiculous in Independence Day when Will Smith punches an alien and goes, welcome to Earth, motherfucker? It's like, yeah, it's stupid. It's a movie. But, I, I yeah, I, I, like I said, not perfect. Totally flawed. But I enjoyed rewatching it. Um the beer, a scent from uh, Battery Steel in Maine, is outstanding for me. No I like shock there. Too. I'm yeah. pretty much almost done with it, so really good. Yeah, really, really love that. So, um, in closing, follow us on Instagram. Suggestions are always welcome. We're at at Worth Elite Fee. We'll be back next week, um, and we're starting something where you know, like we've done for a while now, where we're kind of going back and forth. Joe, it's Joe's pick next week, unless someone sends a message in and cuts the cuts to the front of the line. So uh, Joe, what are we, what are we watching next week? So I thought I had my pick set in stone, but it changed last time because of this pick. So I'm going to delay my pick for this week to next week. And we're going to stay in flight and visit C. Bush other useless character and Con Air. So <laughs> Keeping keep the 90s alive. <laughs> um, I forgot to say this earlier when you, brought up conair but this lady i work with who um sometimes so like ben affleck is a good example ben affleck is a guy who it's very clear that women would be attracted to ben affleck he's a traditionally very good looking man i get it right so then there are guys and girls who kind of like fly under the radar and or at least to me as a as a guy who you know, but I, I'm usually pretty good at recognizing good-looking dudes. I didn't, I don't see it coming with some guys. And this lady I work with, who's a you know very pretty lady, we brought up Nicolas Cage one time, and she was like, Nicolas Cage and Con Air? And I was like, what? It's what? the long hair, man. No, it's, she, well, <laughs> it's the long hair, and he was pretty jacked in Con Air. Con Air. I'll give him that. So I think, I think he was probably on some uh, Hollywood supplements, got a little pumped up. Another uh, Conair is another. What's the what's the big song in Conair? Oh my God, it's Angel something, right? What's the big yeah. song in Conair? It's going to be yeah. crazy. Is it Sarah like Sarah McLaughlin or something like that? It's, <laughs> it's Sarah, Sarah. What did you say? Is it is, what's her name? Sarah McLaughlin? It's How Do I Live by Leanne Rhymes. Yes. Okay. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's so it's, it's so fun. Those these nineties films, back to back films, especially they have like the one song they're known for. <laughs> yep, and Casper too. Casper had Casper, uh, yep. had that song too at the end. But yeah, other than that, we'll be back next week. And thank you guys very much for listening again. To shout out to the English Movie Podcast, Whack Chat. It's movie time. So shout out to them. Uh, they have some pretty cool episodes of like lists that they make of like most overrated films, most underrated favorite films. So check it out. But other than that, we'll be back next week. Thank you guys very much. Yes, as always, guys. Thank you.